Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Amen. I want to connect what we talked about last week to this week. Today we're going to focus on fit for the kingdom. Somebody say with me, fit for the kingdom. And last week we talked about citizen um, ambassadors of the kingdom. Uh, Today... Um, We're going to go a little bit deeper, and I want to start with um, something that we talked about last week, but because of time, I went into red numbers, and then I had a blackout on the screen. We had to stop. We're going to start there, and then we're going to get into our primary text. Fit for the kingdom. We're going to look first at Luke 17 and 32, and on the surface, it may not look connected But if the Lord does what he promised me he would do in my spirit, it'll all connect together. Fit for the kingdom, Luke 17 and 32. Jesus gives, makes a statement. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. And as we said by way of review, there are about roughly 137 women in the Bible who are named, but there are more than 600 who are unnamed, who are unnamed. What is Lot's wife's name? Lot's wife. That's all we know. We don't know the name. So is it? Why then would Jesus say, now he's talking to his disciples. I want you to write in your notes, Luke 17, verse 20 through 37. And you can read that for yourselves later, but I'm going to encapsulate it before we go to our primary text. Jesus was first asked a question by the Pharisees. And he gave about the kingdom, and he gave them an answer that was simple and succinct. He said, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. It is in you. And then the scripture says in verse 21, he turned to his disciples. There's revelation in that. For those who are outside of the kingdom, Jesus doesn't say much. But to those in the kingdom... He takes time for us to know the times. And we're living in a culture, in a generation, in a time that is high time that we wake up out of sleep because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And this whole context of the conversation is Jesus saying, do not be distracted. Remain faithful. There are things that come to distract you. And God has made it clear as I was studying this, the the enemy uses an age-old war tactic. That is to destroy you from within and from without. Within and without. How do I know from within? Jude said that there are enemies that have crept in unaware and are at your feast. So they're at the table of the Lord.
They're disguised. The Bible says even the devil himself transforms himself to an angel of light. So we've got to be discerning. Jesus was telling them to stay on guard. He used two examples. One was Noah. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, until Noah went in and I closed the door on the ark. They were eating. They were drinking. They were given in marriage and marrying. In other words, it was just business as usual. For 120 years, Noah said it's going to rain. And they didn't get the message until it started raining. And it was too late. Why would Jesus tell us that, Reverend Bueller? He, he wants us to be a generation that doesn't get distracted. If I were the devil, I would do everything I could to distract you. I would cause you to fight one another. I would, I would tell people, you don't need to go to church. Church people are sanctimonious. They're stuck up. They're pious. They're not real. I would cause pain so that people would lose, walk away from the main thing. I would cause internally rifts and fights over things that have nothing to do with eternity. Things that don't matter. Make you mad and walk away. Be bitter in your heart because he knows that a root of bitterness when it springs up, it defiles many. So internal and external. Jesus didn't stop there. He said it's just as it was in the days of Lot. Here's why he said, remember Lot's wife. Can I develop this a little bit? He said he started the same way. They were eating. They were drinking. They were giving in marriage. But then he went a little further with Lot's wife. Some other things that they were doing that in the days of Noah, which took, how long did it take Noah to build that ark? 120 years. You would think people would get it by then. And not one repented. Not one. Is it because they didn't understand repentance? Is it because repentance wasn't preached? Or because, is it because the more you dabble in that which is ungodly, the harder your heart becomes? It becomes callous. And the Bible calls it stony heart. So when we come to him, he takes away our stony heart and gives us a heart of flesh. In other words, you can feel your sensory, your spiritual senses come back. But in the days of Lot, when they dwelt in Sodom and Gomorrah, he said they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built. Why did he add to Noah? Jesus was trying to get his disciples to understand that they were focused on their future as though they were in control of it. They were planting and building, and there were warning signals that God wasn't pleased. And it only took, now we're going to get connect to ambassador, it took one righteous person who knew God to pray. His name was Abraham. He wasn't even in Sodom and Gomorrah. He was somewhere else. He told Lot when there was contention, if you go to the east, I'll go to the west. 
If you go to the north, we're brethren. See, that's, that's wisdom. We're brethren. We're not going to fight over land. God promised me all of it anyway. Wherever you go, I'll go the opposite. So what Lot saw was lush land. My cattle will grow. My, my herdsmen will have good stuff. There's water. It looks good. That's what the devil presents. It looks good, and that's why it's seductive. And he went there, and it rained fire and brimstone. But Abraham went to God and said, if there's, God said, I will not do this. I will not do this. Somebody needs to hear this because there are things that God won't do unless he lets you know. Unless he lets some of us know who are faithful like Abraham. He said, I will not do this and not tell my servant Abraham. Because I know he will command his house. Because when I let him know something, it's not just him. All the generations are going to line up. Because Abraham is faithful. He's proven himself to be faithful. And when God told him his plans, Abraham said, Lord, may I have permission to ask a question? He said, if there were a hundred righteous people, would you? Nope, I won't. He said, Lord, look, I know. Can I speak one more time? What if it was 50? And then he asked for me again. Look, one more time. He went all the way down to 10. Lord said, if it's 10, I won't do it. And Abraham prayed for him. That's how we need to pray for Philadelphia. Until God comes and does something and changes and transforms and takes us to a place that is in him. If you know what I'm talking about, somebody say amen. amen. So Lot gets instruction because of the prayer of Abraham. I want you to know that your prayers matter when you are aligned with, with heaven. God told me to tell you that this message is about spiritual alignment. Because when you're out of alignment, you can't help yourself or anybody else. But because Abraham was in alignment with heaven, he could talk to God. And God reveals secrets. And he could intervene and get that righteous man who was vexed in his spirit every day. Get him out of there. Even though he was vexed, that was home. He stayed there. And when God sent angels to get him, I don't want to go too deep into that. You know the story. You know what happened. I just want to focus on Lot's wife. But some of them who God came to deliver never left the city. His daughters had husbands. They stayed. And because they stayed behind and it was the will of God for them to go, this isn't in my notes, but I'm, I'm going to take two minutes to go there. God is telling me right now this is important. Because they didn't receive their deliverance, their wives and his daughters became, they had incest. One night their father got drunk and they said, he doesn't have a seed in the earth. I'll lie with him first, the, other, the oldest, then the other one with him. And he created two nations, Moab is one, and the Ammonites came out of him. Nations of incest from the, the one who received the promise that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. 
if they would have just been obedient, they could have averted that. Why is that important? My disobedience has an impact on generations. Your disobedience has an impact on generations. You ready for the good news? Your obedience also has impact on generations. My obedience has impact on generations. It's better to obey than to sacrifice. I can say all the wrong things and be disobedient. I can do what appears to be the right thing, but it's better to obey. That's what it means to be fit for the kingdom. But the angels were clear, when you leave here, don't look back. See, God doesn't take pleasure in the soul that draws back because there's no shadow of turning in him. Because if I look back at what's behind me, then I'm saying, God, I don't want what's in front of me. And I don't want what I have right now. The kingdom of heaven is in me, but I remember what was back there. I remember the fun, the pleasure. Was it really fun? It was disguised as pleasure. It's destructive. Because there are two things in the world that are at conflict. And it's described in John 10 and 10. There's an enemy who comes for nothing else but to kill, to steal, and destroy. And the vast majority of the 8 billion people on the face of the earth choose that over the one who comes that you might have life and have it more abundantly. As I was driving here today, God made something crystal clear to me. One of the things that causes him the greatest heartache and the greatest pain, if you know what it feels like to be a parent who's disappointed, you can, you can understand what God, there's no one who has children that he birthed, birthed through being born again, the new birth, who was more disappointed. He said, don't they know that it really is my breath in their lungs? That's not just a song. Like, I breathe. Don't you know that you live and move? You breathe and have your being by me, and yet you walk away from me into the arms of the one who wants to kill you. Don't my people know that death is separation from me? If they understood that, they would want to come near to me. See, that's why the faithful obey God, because they realize that in him is life. In him is light. Outside of him is death and darkness. Who would, who would in their right mind, choose death and darkness over light and life? No one. But there's a deceiver whose only power is deception and seduction. And that's why he works outside and inside. But you got a God who works from the inside out. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we're good. Tell your neighbor, you're good. Just obey. Remember Lot's wife. So she was told not to look back. The daughters obeyed. Lot obeyed. She looked back. 
and she became a pillar of salt. Why would God do that just for looking back? That's the symbolism of desiring something that God has delivered you from. Don't look back. It's like a drug addict who's been lying and stealing and hurting his family and robbing and then gets clean and looks back. You want that over this? You're productive, you're clean. You used to be dirty and filthy and now you're clean. You want that? Or a person who's in a, a relationship with true fidelity and they made a vow before God, but before that they were promiscuous. And now they decide what you're saying to God is that you're not enough. You're not good enough. I want to tell you, he's more than enough. He's more than enough. He'll satisfy every need. Every need. There are some people who are scratching when they don't itch and they're laughing at what's not funny because the enemy has deceived them. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, none of that is of the world. And that, those are the things that cause us to remember Lot's wife. Now let's see how that connects to being fit for the kingdom. Are you with me? Now we're going to go to our primary text. And that is found in Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 42. No, no, not 42, 62. Yeah, yeah. I should be wearing glasses, but I'm not going to do that. The day will come when I won't have a choice. And when you see me up here with specs, you say, okay, he finally gave in. See, that had nothing to do with repentance. Get your glasses. Lord Jesus, now I started an uprising. <laughs> People love me so much, they're offering me their glasses. I'm going to be all right. Contacts, huh? That's right. I'll be fooling you. You think I'm still doing it naturally. I got contact. Just have to make sure the contacts are the color of my natural eyes. Because these days, contacts are gray, green, all that other stuff. That's a dead giveaway. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your concern. Verse 57 reads, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Here's a moment. Leave it there for a minute. Do you think the person who said that in the moment that they said it was sincere. Do you think they understood the cost of following him? No. And see, that's what happens 
when we preach a gospel that puts us in heaven every day while we're still on earth and don't say what he says, that in the world you're going to have tribulation. But even with the tribulation, be encouraged, be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. So you, this person didn't know what it meant to be an overcomer. And before they even started following him, they showed that I really don't understand this. Verse 58. And Jesus said to him, because he knows our hearts. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Translation, what Jesus is saying is, I know this looks glamorous to you from where you sit. You see blind eyes being opened. You see people who don't have enough food being fed with two fish, five loaves. You're seeing people healed. You're seeing demons cast out. But I don't even have a place to stay. Because I, I only do what I see my father doing. I'm sold out. And I only do what my father speaks. I'm under the authority of my father. That's all I do. Now, if you want to do your own thing, this not, may not be for you. Let me pause there for a minute. Can I pause on this verse just for a minute? Come closer. There are things in life that are important, but we cannot do those and leave the work of the kingdom undone. The reason Jesus in the Remember Lot's Wife said they were going about their stuff. They were given in marriage. They were married. They were eating and drinking. And then... Solomon and Gomorrah, they were building, they were doing all this stuff as though they were in charge of their future. And they neglected the one. They didn't even acknowledge me. They were in all kind of sinful lifestyle and they were enjoying it. They never even considered the one who was keeping them alive, who was keeping them alive. And so there are things as a father that it would be irresponsible for me not to do. But there are things in the kingdom, woe unto me if I don't do them. And what Jesus is talking about is priorities. And there are some people who have a list and God's not even on it. They wouldn't consciously think that, but if you check, what did I do today? Did my light shine to anybody anywhere that I went? Does anybody know about the goodness of God because I showed up? Or am I just busy? Here's the risk. Here's the difference between the kingdom culture and the culture of the world. Are you ready for this? The world, because there's, there's a culture everywhere. You cannot escape culture. Your family has a culture. The church has a culture. Your workplace has a culture. This nation has a culture. Other nations have culture. And the world has a culture. And systems are built on the basis of that culture. Well, the culture of the world, in part, 
it's not a complete list because y'all gonna have me going into red numbers again on the time, but the primary thing is productivity. Productivity. The world measures you based on performance. In my corporate life, twice a year, we had performance reviews. And you were measured, your raise, your bonus, all of that is based on your performance. You were hired based on how productive you were, where you come from. Am I right about it? So it's about performance. In the kingdom, it's about obedience. God was pleased with his son before he performed anything. It's not about performance. So if I bring the, the, the culture of the world because that's what shaped me and I bring it into the church, then I'm going to measure you. I'm going to have all kind of metrics to see if you are productive. In the kingdom of God and when we're aligned with heaven, we do as he tells us to do. We follow him. We submit ourselves to him. We are vessels of honor when we submit to him. And the devil uses that to say, you know what? You're not good enough. You have, do you think God cares about you? Look at you. You slept in today. And busyness, busyness, busyness. There were two sisters, same house. But one felt, I just got to serve because that's what pleases him. And the other says, I just want to sit at his feet. I need more of you. Lord, every time you come, I'm going to sit here. And one sister said, Lord, tell her to help me. She doesn't, she doesn't get it. She sees me serving and she won't even help. She's sitting here, bid her to help me. And he said, Martha, Martha, you are encumbered with many things. But your sister has chosen the best part, which shall not be taken away. See, there are things in the kingdom of God that cannot be taken away. Because there are some things that only God can give and that only God can do. And the most powerful person on the face of the earth, whoever that is or whoever thinks they're that, they can't do what God can do. They need the same God as we need. Are you hearing me? So the, the, the kingdom of God is about faithfulness. It's submission. It's yielding. But how do you describe the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. When my peace is disturbed, I check my alignment with heaven because I don't care what's going on in my life. I'm not saying that there's not trouble, but he'll give me peace in the midst of trouble if my mind is stayed on him. And that's why the devil wants my mind off him and all my troubles. And then my peace is disturbed. And when I recognize that, I say, peace, be still. Because the problem is not the problem, it's peace is disturbed. Peace, be still and I focus on him. When I feel heavy and there's no joy, I seek him, I pray, because there is something in heaven called the oil of joy. 
There's some oil that he'll pour on you in prayer when you're real intimate and joy will overtake you. The kind of joy that don't make sense is unspeakable and full of glory. It doesn't make sense. People say, why are you joyous and all this stuff is happening? And that opens the door because I know a God. I know a God who gives me strength when I'm weak. His strength is made perfect when I'm weak. Therefore, when I'm weak, I'm strong. I might look weak to you. It might look like I'm down, but he picks me up. He turns me around. He places my feet on a solid ground. I'm not on shaky ground. Somebody might be standing on shaky ground, but we stand on a rock, a rock that's immovable. Let's go to the next verse. Then he said to another, follow me. This is the second one. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. We talked about this a little bit last week. His father wasn't dead. He was saying, after my, father's my father dies, I'll have no more obligation to take care of him. He's getting up in age, Lord. I need to take care of him. Then I'll follow you. What did Jesus say? Go to the next verse. Jesus said to him, that's right, let the dead bury their dead. What does he mean? Because if you're out of him, you're dead. You might be walking. If I backslide and turn my back on him, I'm a dead man walking. Dead man what? Because life is in him. Do you understand that? That's not just a cliche. He is the... From the day he took Adam from the ground and breathed into him, every living being that has come forth is that same breath. God doesn't have to go like this. Oh, give me a minute. No more children. To this is the power of God, just one. And every one of us, one and done. And everything is moving. Whatever he sets in motion, he said once to the sun, stay there. And it hasn't moved in all time and it won't move. And it rises and sets just like he said. He said to the ocean, the, ocean, the earth is 75% water. He said you can't pass over. And it stays there. Why don't we drown? Because everything is moving by the power of God. When God said it, it is so. It is so, and so it is. He said, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, isn't this interesting? They said, Lord, we want to follow you. And I'm sure they're saying, Lord, we just want to be with you. But he told them to go. How do they follow him if they go? He said, you follow me by obeying my word. Their, their request, Elder, was, can I, I want to follow you. They really didn't know what it mean, but he said, you go and preach the kingdom of God. And preach the kingdom of God. To preach means to proclaim. See, we think in church culture, this is the, the beginning and the end of preaching. To preach is a proclamation. It's to proclaim, 
I proclaim. I can be at work and I proclaim that Jesus is Lord. I can be at Wawa and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. I can be on my block sitting on the stoop, sitting on the stoop and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. There's nobody like him. Muhammad was a nice prophet, but he didn't get up from the, from the grave. So let's, let's bring this thing home. I'm in red numbers again. Y'all have to pray for me. Thank you, mother. That's all right. I feel better. So here's the thing. In verse, don't put this verse up, but in the last verse of this dissertation about the kingdom, Jesus says something that will unlock our understanding. But first, let's, let's go through verse 62, and then we'll get to 67 to bring it home. Let's read the next two verses. 61. And another also said, so how many is that now? This is three, right? The third one. Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell at my house. He's like, well, the first two didn't work, so I know I'm not going to say I want to bury someone. I want to do something that's pretty easy. I just want to say goodbye. Lord, can I do, do you know that as people, we try to see how much we can get away with? Lord, this is all right, right? There's nothing wrong with this. I could do a good thing for the wrong reason. I could do a good thing that is not his will for me to do, and I'm still out of his will. It's not just black and white. There's a lot of gray in the kingdom, and it's measured by faithfulness and obedience. So listen what Jesus says. Verse 62. But Jesus said to him, no one. He's like, I know all three of you said different things. Let me cut the fourth one off <laughs> in case you're thinking. No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So we're talking about fitness. You understand physical fitness. It requires work for you to be fit physically. But Jesus is talking about spiritual fitness. And Paul says it this way, comparing physical fitness to spiritual. He said, bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness profiteth to all. So what's the difference? One lasts for a season, one lasts for eternity. I don't care how fit you are. Jack LaLanne, I'm dating myself. Young people like, who is that? Google him. Google him. Was very fit. And he worked out even when he was old. But his body didn't look the same. It didn't respond the same. When he was young, he used to demonstrate stuff, Minister Sample. When he was old, he gave more instruction. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't do what I used to do. That means it's passing away. It is, it's corruptible, but the things that matter are eternal. That's why the Bible says, set your affection on things above and not beneath. So if I were the devil, I would have you always mired in things beneath. 
and you would make that your priority and we would focus on things that are not eternal. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? So fit for the kingdom in the last verse, I think it's verse 67. Don't put it up because I want people to look at it later. What is, what's the last verse then? Of that stanza? No, no. I'm talking about in the Bible, Luke 17. What does it go to? See, I'm talking about the word. Not just, see, this is just my outline. But I want you to eat the whole loaf. I'm not just going to give you slices. You eat the whole loaf. So you, somebody tell me, a Berean quick, young person with an app, Luke. She said, I got the app. She's like, don't talk about young people with an app. I got the app. What is it? 37. 37. No, this is 62. Does this say 62? Oh, that's the other verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't y'all stop moving around?
Lord. Let me lean on you. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.